This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3456 for Monday, the 1st of November 2021. Today's show is entitled HPR Community News for October 2021 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is the 180th show of HPR volunteers and is about 81 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, HPR volunteers, talk about shows released and comments, posted in October 2021. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org forward slash donate. Hi everybody, later on in the show there are discussions about some sensitive topics. These may not be suitable for airing in an open environment or where young or vulnerable people can hear. So please take this into account when playing out the show. Thank you. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio. This time it's the Community News for October 2021 and joining me this evening is live from scotland all right oh that one you mean yeah that's me this dave morris okay now we run into a problem because uh we're gonna have to do it alphabetically because i don't know where the other two guys are calling in yeah 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 states i presume that's that's why i hesitated i assumed you were going for archer 72 first i'm in the chicago area live from chicago it is this is where you come in and go archer 72 because nobody ever wants Wants me pronouncing somebody's name. Okay, let's do that again. Take two, people. Take two. Live from Chicago, it is... Archer72. Why? Why do we even bother? How can I work with these people, Dave? And finally, we have... We have Rowan from Baltimore, live from his basement. Where? What state is Baltimore in? Baltimore's in Maryland. We're just. I'm just north of D.C., about 60 miles. Okay. Very good, very good. Excellent. I'm in the Netherlands in my basement, which is a lot nicer now than it was about four months ago. But anyway, enough about my basement. This is Hacker Public Radio, and this is Hacker Public Radio Community News. Hacker Public Radio is a community service where our podcasts are released by the people who listen to it. That is correct. You listening to this very show 
could yourself become a podcaster with some very, very simple steps. Community news is where the janitors of the community of the network come together and talk about the stuff that's been going on in the HPR community to make sure that everybody knows that their shows have been loved and listened to. So, as is traditional, Dave will now welcome our new hosts. Yes, we do have a new host this month or last month or whenever it was. Hakadefo, I think is the pronunciation. So, welcome. Welcome on board. Sounds good to me. Um, and the breakdown of this is that we go through last month's shows, some of the comments, things on the mailing list, and uh, other discussions, events, and other any other business, which I think will feature heavily about the tagging this month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So without yep. further ado, let's go to Hacking Stories with Redacted, Part 5 by Operator. And this was the fifth in his rambling about uh, old pen testing stories. And I think a lot of these went down a treat. I love these. These are amazing. It's, it's really interesting to hear what people do in, in, their, in their work and stuff. There's something fascinating about this. And, uh, yeah, I used to try and talk my boss into getting the pen tester in to check things out, but he never wanted to do it. I think he was just scared that <laughs> he'd find things. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> and that's what seemed to happen to operator. <laughs> he found things that people didn't want him to find. <laughs> hey, I, Kirker, these are these have been great. And uh, I, <laughs> I have a feeling we should probably be doing this at work. We've already had a couple of ransomware attacks against us. So Ooh. we Ooh. probably could use a little bit of this penetration testing. Yeah, I think the word couple of <laughs> there... <laughs> doesn't sound very good. You would think one would be sufficient. Yes, indeed. Wow. That's nasty. They, they hadn't invented that much when I was still working. So, uh, so yeah, you have my sympathy. Yeah, they came about for three years apart, four years apart. Um, we thought we had done better, but apparently not. Yeah, it's easy, easy yeah. to fall in these holes, I'm sure. So the following day, we had the community news for September twenty-one uh, for September twenty twenty-one, and there was uh, one clarification I wanted to make on that one, and that was in the last community news. I said that we checked a show and found that it was of interest to hackers. I should have said that we checked it, and it was not spam. So stuff you need to know. This is from the website. Uh, and this is the agree policy. Audio of your show will not be moderated. We do not vet, edit, moderate, or in any way censor any of the audio you submit. We trust you to do that. Last part is also an interesting part. We trust you to do that. Aside from checking snippets of audio quality for spam checking, we have a policy where we don't listen to the shows before they are aired. I've actually started to open them in Audacity now, following the the discussion of uh, the mailing list to see what the levels are looking like, mm-hmm, to see mm-hmm. if we can fix that. But more more about that and on. Teaser there. So the next day we had the HTML document form. Uh, from... I'm sorry, Ken, you're dropping out for me. I missed his last couple of sentences. Am I? Am I? Did it drop out for anybody else? No. Sound good to me. We'll fix it in post. Don't worry. <laughs> Any questions about that? Or did you hear? By fix it a post, I mean absolutely no intention of editing at all. It was about the spam checking that we don't spam check. Sorry, we do spam check. Absolutely, uh, we do spam check. 
but we don't uh, edit or moderate the show. Yes, I, I got that. Yes, I agree. And it's, I mean, it's only a matter of time before somebody twigs that they can send in spam to HPR. And uh, when they do, we will uh, we'll check it among the admins. And if there's any doubt, we will go to the mail list. It's not as if we're going to start blocking stuff unless it's fairly obvious. Yeah, so nobody, nobody panic. Cool. Okay, moving on. The HTML document format. Talking about my favorite document format. And this was from Daniel Pearsons. He, um, yeah, he likes HTML. Basically, is what he's what he's saying. Uh, for it's okay. What it delivers, which is which is an, a very valid thing to say. So, uh, but he also says that backend systems can create it. Um, so, you know, he's sort of conceding the point that you don't necessarily have to create it by hand. <laughs> Absolutely, I don't think. XML itself, maybe I should do a response show on this and not just comment. I uh, don't think my database can take another show that I need to do. But anyway, hmm. uh, I think XML in general is not necessarily a bad format. It's just everybody has their own view and how it should be formatted. And that that's kind of the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do. I have to say I have a soft spot for HTML too. That was sort of one of the first big things I had to do in one of uh, my first tech jobs was convert old WordPerfect 5.1 reports into HTML. And, uh, you know, you grow fond of after you've manually inserted a lot of tags. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, 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 I enjoy the fact that Vim, the plugins I've got, let me select a line and stick tags either end of it or around a word or whatever and and it's just you know there's so many potential places where you can mess up by you know hitting an extra character or forgetting the the, the slash or something you know that uh, to have a, something to mediate for you is 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 nicer you know it's like uh, the difference between having a a brace and bit and a, an electric drill, you know. Do you really want to cut that hole with by hitting it with a with a rock? <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, yeah. I should probably uh, do a best practices HBR show. Best practices when dealing with XML. Mm-hmm. Anyway, shall we move on? Indeed. Ten privacy friendly Google search alternatives, and this is by our new host, Hacker Devo. I reckon. Some uh, some sites I'd never come across before in there, actually. Some very, uh, very cool ones, which, uh, which was Claudio. But anyway, what do you think? What do you think, guys? Some cool stuff here, actually. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think DuckDuckGo was, and maybe I'd run across Brave Search, but I think DuckDuckGo was really the only one that I'd ever uh, heard of before. I have nice um, to be introduced to new ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have Start Page as my default. In I use a lot of browsers, and I, I quite like uh, Vivaldi. And I'm using Start Page in there. Duck, duck, go somewhere else. <laughs> it's just useful to have multiple browsers. I shouldn't do this, I know, but there you go. But uh, yeah, but, but those are Start Page and Duck, duck, go were the only ones I was really aware of. I do use Brave, but not 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 just to show people show notes actually. Because it's it's easy to fire up from the command line, and 
I find easier than some anyway. I think it's it's a changing mm. thing, but the the time when I was writing the script to to take some the HTML I'd made from a show and display it, I found that Brave was actually quite good at doing it. Do you want to read the comments? Dave, shall do you want I, to do uh, Claudio's? Yes. Claudio M says, Moji, great episode. Nice to hear a few of the ones I've used and known about mentioned as well as some of the others I've not known about. One that wasn't mentioned that I recently came to discover is called Mojik. Assume that's how you say it. More information about Mojik below, and he gives a link and a Wikipedia entry. And um, the SDF, the well-known public access Unix system, since 1987, has its own Hoogle instance, which he gives a link to as well. Never heard of that. And do you want to do the Linux for security one? Me. You want me to do it? Archer. Or Ron, do you want to do uh, uh, the comments? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get to... <laughs> Come on! you I'm trying to get down to the uh, comments. <laughs> which... There's a link at the top of it to get to you there. I know I, I struggle like this. This is me. I'm always... How, do... How did this guy pass the audition, Dave? I don't know. <laughs> well, how did uh, okay. I pass the audition is more the question. <laughs> Now we're doing a show on how you participate in the community news. Where is the link to the... <laughs> Are you on episode 348? Ah, I know what's happening. So you're okay, on the... I was, I was on so the you need to open page. up each of the pages themselves. Well, that's what uh, I do. Okay. And then you get the comments on the pages themselves. And yep. then we... Yep. What I normally do is pr- press the next button, next button, next button. Until I go too far and Dave says, oh, uh, Ken, I think you're going into next month's show, which is written into the script on page seven. <laughs> it's our standing running okay. joke here. Okay, I'm, I, think I'm with the, uh, I think I'm with the program now. Excellent. So comment number two. And take 42, go. Hello? Did, we get that? Did I have my push to talk on while I was trying to read that comment? <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Okay. So truncate silence will have removed ten seconds of silence there. Comment number two by Linux for Security Browser. Fulguris or Fulguris is a good one. Okay, could you do that with more feeling, a little bit of animation? <laughs> uh, no, I'm only messing. I've never heard of that. Is that a browser? I, I went to search for it. Is that a browser or is it a search? I have no idea. No, no, me neither. I did have a look. Yeah, it's a browser app on the Google Play. Okay. Okay. Cool. Fair enough. A show would be nice. Be ideal to have a little show about that. Why you like it. What it brings as opposed to any other browser. It offers in-app purchases. Indeed. Okay, the next show was Linux in-laws, this one with the BSDs. How do these guys manage to line up so many people for so many interviews? It's absolutely awesome. Yes, yes. I know, I know. It's uh, The panel they, they had was, was, was pretty impressive, and the, uh, the discussion was, was amazing. I thought um, I... Uh, BSD, I've written down here, BSD both sounds interesting as well as a bit undesirable. 
All right. <laughs> Same time. <laughs> oh, don't ask me to give you a compliment, Dave. <laughs> That's my review, and I'm sticking it. No, but uh, it, it sounds great, but it feels like you, you're sort of in a, in a bit of a straitjacket if you're using it. But that was a message I got anyway. I've not, I've never used it in in earnest. Um, so, oh, other than old Unixes, which were BSD. I can't remember which ones yeah. were BSD now, but uh, but yeah, but it was fascinating to listen to. Really good. Yeah, hey, I really in, uh, enjoy um, the, the, that particular talk and their shows in general. At least when I I do go for the knowledge, uh, it is, they do an amazing job and get some really good um, guests on their show. They do. Claudio M says the best of BSDs. Great episode, gents. That was an awesome interview. I could have listened for even longer if you did go. The full three hours a lull. Definitely better guess for interview than I'd ever be. <laughs> Running joke: they want Claudio M on for a uh, for a interview. I actually think that would be kind of cool, given yeah, uh, yeah, I'd listen to given that, his sure. history. Yep, interesting guy. Do you want to take Zenfloater Two's comment, please? I'll, I'll do Zenfloater Two, who says this show put me up a tree. Him being a squirrel. <laughs> I had to play this show about three times to get all the content out of it. That's a good point, actually. Installing and running GNOME 3 on OpenBSD is extremely easy, as GDM does all work for you. Setting up Pulse Audio is probably the hardest part most newbies have difficulty with. But, you know, this squirrel is sick and tired of heavy desktops. I'm also getting sick and tired of Intel AMD 64 platforms plastic CPUs from hell and I long for the mainframe days and where we just used a dumb terminal I was happy then I have a few OpenBSD servers to use via SSH which satisfied this urge but I need to to buy some dumb terminals and put OpenBSD on my Raspberry Pi 400 thingy and take my two Chromebooks and just drown them both in a deep bathtub somewhere as long as he doesn't record the, the bathtub filling that's okay there's no such thing. Sorry, I shouldn't have interjected there. There's no such thing as a perfect desktop. I hate them all. Those desktops always leave you feeling unsatisfied with life. Why do we even put up with desktops? What drives Fedora to continue on with GNOME? What are they going to get out of it? What will IBM get out of it? Everyone should run OpenBSD or NetBSD or Figurator or how about Geeks with the herd instead of all this Linux stuff. I want something different on the computer table. Really, GNOME and SystemD is like slow creeping cancer, and a boring cancer too, where your limbs fall off one at a time every three to four years. It's not. He's not very clear about his love for SystemD. There, does he, does he still like it? <laughs> yes, yes. I've got, got some slightly negative vibes on the Linux front, but uh, yeah. I think uh, definitely he's feeling the love there for SystemD. I'm, I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. Well, system uh, D, go on. Sorry. No, go on. System D is. I was just going to say, System D. I was up for following the hate, but I don't see anything to hate particularly. It's it's not bitten me at all. But uh, there you go. It's just my experience. Okay. Uh, the following day, we had lighten layer modes. We continue to look at the layer modes in GIMP with lightened modes, and this is Ahuka's continuing series on working his way through the GIMP 
as with all the shows, excellent uh, discussion. Basically doing with the game what he did with the LibreOffice episode. And this time he has videos of various different topics into the show notes. Always go, Also, always go to his own website where there's full write-up on this with images. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't done that this time, this particular one. It's a good good reminder. I need to go and look. He, he does a wonderful job, yes. Yeah, I always uh, just keep a hookah in the back of my head whenever I'm using GIMP or um, oh, Open Office. LibreOffice, uh, just say, do I do I need some help? I I know where to go. Exactly. Yeah, good. Yep. And the the best part about uh, the LibreOffice series for me has been because um, my son occasionally has stuff that he needs to submit in a graph or something, and uh, it actually happened four days ago or something where I was up until until one o'clock doing a logarithmic logarithmic graph. And the thing is, because I've listened to a hooker show, I know that LibreOffice can do it, but I may have completely forgotten how, but at least, you know, it's not something you're going to spend two hours researching and only to discover it's not possible. So that really shortens the amount of pain. Uh, so whether you go to uh, his episode or whether you go just to Stack Overflow to find out how to do it, at least you know it can be done, which is a brilliant start. Cool, yeah. Murphy Bench was Operator's next show and DIY woodworking and hacking. And this was a, a Murphy bed is a bed that folds away in tiny apartments. I've never, I've only ever seen one on TV, but uh, this is a bench that folds away. And if you want to see it, there's an animated GIF in the show notes. Yeah, cool. A great idea. A great idea. Absolutely. Would- yeah. He tells some nice tales of uh, what, what he needs and uh, some of the things falling off. Yeah. <laughs> falling into a bucket of water, he said at one point. So, yeah, good. Yeah, I, I, I do like the idea. I just, <laughs> I'm just afraid, knowing me, it would not ever be actually folded away. <laughs> it would just become <laughs> a permanent table <laughs> attached to the wall. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Exactly, yes. The next day we had, what is this thing called science? Critical thinking is only part of the equation, and here's the other part. This is uh, Tlatu's response to HPR 3414. Critical thinking may make you critical of your coronavirus, and there are several comments to that. Brian in Ohio says, science, look at the show notes. I wish science was as pure as you'd say it is, but... Where money is concerned, you can't deny people have gotten wealthy because of COVID-19. The science gets tainted. Richard Feynman would often point out how difficult science experiments are to do, especially in biological science, where control of variables is almost impossible. Proof that science around COVID is muddled as any science can be seen when the scientists decide to vaccinate the placebo group in the study. Yes, that's the whole URL, the big long URL. The decision was driven, in my opinion, uh, the decision was driven by opinion, not facts. Science is hard and flawed. Trusting the experts can lead to things like System D when they say, just trust us, it works. Also, much of what we call science is actually engineering. Development of risk architectures is probably done by engineers. 
with goals are different than science. Lastly, the famous scientist said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. I actually agree with quite a lot of Brian's comments there. Science is in fact hard, but just because it's hard doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It means you can mess it up along the way, but you know, part of the process is that you say, oh hell, I messed that up. Right, let's go and fix that and, and carry on, you know. It's not it's, you're not reaching perfection ever. No perfection is there at all, but you're striving towards it. Do you want to do the next comment there, Dave? Yes, we have a comment from E-H-H-F-F-F-F. I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. So he's talking about um, CLAR-2 COVID and science. CLAR-2, a science endeavour starts with a hypothesis that is later given weight by scrutiny from all known affecting factors. You'll claim that COVID-19 dangers and effects are known and an accepted condition by medicos is false as that stance presumes ethics and truths were part of employment and statistics gathered during the so-called COVID-19 pandemic. It also presumes all medicos are on board COVID-19 agenda, which is totally incorrect. If you didn't shelter your mind or you only expose yourself to filtered social media, by the way, not being offensive, you would know that it's commonplace for hospitals to place anyone with symptoms of COVID-19, that includes influenza, into an induced coma and then intubation and ventilators. This makes attending a hospital in this era with any cold or flu dangerous, as ventilators are known to damage the lungs and should only be used in extreme situations where no other option is available. It's only common. It's also common knowledge that hospitals around the world are refusing to use antiviral medications as it's not part of the COVID-19 agenda to use them, with early political demonization. Hospitals are also sponsored for deaths and treatment of COVID-19 with money lump sums. Therefore, the deaths and surviving patients reflect the malpractice resulting in bad statistics used in your science assumption. The COVID-19 vaccines, another field of corruption and dangers, and he quotes the DuckDuckGo URL. Okay, I'd like to see some uh, evidence to support those statements. Uh, do you want to read uh, the uh, King Bullwolf, Bo please? I can do that. Uh, by King Bullwolf, scientists methods selectively apply based on feelings. Klaatu, your counterpoint is spot on and well said. The analogy to CPU design and construction is well done. There is a lot of chemistry and physics involved that even I have a hard time following. As a chemist, I am befuddled by some of my colleagues forgetting that the scientific method and singling COVID-19 vaccination as either unimportant or a conspiracy, as compared to the dozens of other vaccines we all have taken. I sure as a heck don't do not want to return to the good old days of polio, smallpox, diphtheria, measles, tetanus, hepatitis A slash B, flu, HIV, pertussis, mumps, and I don't even and don't even get me started on chickenpox. Mad Sweeney says, "Hats off to you, Tattoo." A very elegant rebuttal. Hats off to you for your measured and thoughtful response and coolness in the face of such astonishing ignorance. Dave, you get to do... I've, I've e- got Mr. E-H-E-8-H quadruple F. Would it be better in binary? One, zero, 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 one, one, one. 
Uh, yeah. Anyway, Mr. Hexadecimal person. Um, the pharmacist, King Beowulf. Polio was already being eradicated via hygiene measures. Also, polio disabilities are also the symptoms of other effects, like radio, radiation damage, which was a new technology of the era, and people got exposed to high levels. The polio epidemic was caused by many factors. The polio vaccine is definitely not the cause out of that disease. The modern spread of polio has been by a polio vaccine. Do the research. Uh, sorry, citation needed is behind that as well, please. No, absolutely. Citation after every point, really. Measles was never considered dangerous during it being common. The people get natural immunity in creating a better scenario than current. You've probably heard of the Brady Bunch episode of having measles, a measles party. Well, that was the go in that period. People got it and got over it. Near to zero issues and resulted in better outcomes of being naturally immune. Okay, uh, do you want to carry on there, Dave? Vaccines are in themselves a danger, and of course, many new conditions like autism and SIDS never experienced by most before 80s, before the vaccine regime. One in 54 births are now autistic. Autism in communities that don't vaccinate are near to zero. Citation, please. <sighs> okay, let's move on. Ah, excellent. Neutron battery replacement. Ron describes replacing the battery in his Neutron EM41 electric lawnmower. Gosh. If there was only somebody here who could talk about this show. It was refreshing to have a technical podcast this month, I must say. But if he only knew how to uh, set the recordings on his recorder better. I, I, I... Yeah, but... At least he uh, is open to uh, feedback, and uh, because of that, um, yeah, we were in touch with Taj to see if we could get the better recordings, and Taj had some tips, which are now up on the website, um, so you can get them there. Have you had a chance to use that uh, that application? Uh, no, not yet, and uh, actually, I just uh, posted another uh, uh, podcast today, but unfortunately, I, I sort of have a little bit of a backlog with. So you're still going to get to hear some. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. Some some, uh, some perfect examples of less than ideal audio. Well, yeah, flack is best. We accept the rest. So it's about content, not quality. Although we are always striving to improve the audio, and um, yeah, we're going to be doing some more of that. But we'll discuss that later. So nobody is interested in rechargeable lawnmowers because nobody commented. No, it was it was good. It's it's very irritating that the name of the the. The company presumably is Newton, and it's extremely hard to look at that word and not pronounce it Neutron. Because uh -huh. <laughs> it did looks I just like Neutron. Say you Newton? just did. You just oh, did, right. and, and, and so did so did Ron himself. <laughs> so, so it's just it's just a daft piece of, of marketing. You'd think to to come up yeah. with a name like that. Maybe it's somebody's actual name. I don't know, but uh, it's uh, uh, yeah, easy trap to fall into. Well, I for one found it interesting. Not that I have a lawn large enough to have an electric lawnmower, but uh, the process of replacing the batteries and stuff, I do find interesting. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm just in the process of removing lawns because I hate them. So, so I'm about not to need, need such a thing. <laughs> yeah. but yes, I do sympathize.
Well, I'm glad people are finding it interesting, uh, at least a quorum of two. Exactly, 100%. 100% of HBR audience believes it's an awesome show. The following day, jealousy struck when... Uh, what's what's the handle? Nihilazo? I think it's Nihilazo. It's like the joining together of a nihil, is it nihilism? A-Z-O, I assumed. So Nihilazo, perhaps? Yes. The one who got the Scion Series 5MX from you, Dave. That person. <laughs> that guy. Yes, yes, indeed. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. Brian in Ohio says, compliment. I loved the show. Nice to hear about older hardware being used. And Gumnos says, looking forward to this one. I've long desired to own a 5MX, possibly running either Linux or NetBSD, but I've never been able to justify the cost outlay to myself. Looking forward to hearing about your adventures with it. And Comet Cycle said, trip down memory lane. Great to hear a show about a Scion PDA. I still have a Revo somewhere in need of repair. Never got around to getting it working directly with Linux, but used under a VM with Windows XP and Lotus Smart Suite. Wow. Dave, do you want to do your own show? I'll do my own. own My own, yes. So I wrote to say, great show. Hi, Nihilazo. Thanks so much for doing the show. It was excellent because we, we, we had a pact that he would do this show eventually. It brought a tear to my eye to hear the story of my old Scion being so well appreciated and cared for. I worked for uni- university IT department here in Edinburgh and my boss bought these devices for all of the managers in the department. I used mine a lot over the years. Occasionally I'd record audio on it. It's got little buttons on the outside you can use it as a recorder. But more than often, I'd write notes in meetings or use its calendar and contact application. I'm pretty certain it can output documents to a printer using a built-in IR device. I had a monochrome HP LaserJet in my office, which would accept documents over IR. It was really useful in this regard. No idea how you do that these days. Though an IR device on a Raspberry Pi... Hmm. Hope to hear more about your adventures with the Scion and anything else of interest to hackers in the future. Excellent, lovely device. Yeah, it was it was it was good. A bit fragile, um, but it it had it had been used consistently for a number of years. So you know that that bendy bendy cable was bound to go eventually. Yeah. Very impressed that he managed to to get it fixed though. And the next day was another um, show by you. True critical thinking seems to be the key. And this is also a counterpoint to 3414. Okay, let's start from the top with the comments. Iron Helix, this is the way to handle misinformation. I applaud you both for addressing this with facts and patience. And without dipping into any personal attacks, well done. An enjoyable listen. Thank you both for challenging the other episode logically and for bringing some sanity to the conversation. Best wishes to you both. So Aaron B says, reasoning. This is not a criticism for this podcast, but just something I come across once in a while. I will hear people say, I believe in this or don't believe in that because I reason. But it's nice when people can declare themselves a reasonable person. It's different if others others else use them that, that ways. Okay. About that sentence, but yeah. Okay. okay. And by E88HFFFS. Common sense. Consider that COVID-19 dangers 
are the spike protein. Yet the COVID-19 vaccines create spike protein. Therefore, it's a question of scale of damage. COVID-19 vaccine injections are inherently damaging, some getting anaphylactic shock and death from the injections. Kevin O'Brien says, bravo. As a very good analysis that uses genuine critical thinking. One thing I haven't seen anyone point out yet is that the original show much is made of the idea that masks are not airtight. Of course they aren't. If they were, people wearing them would die. <laughs> Exclamation mark. I've worked in several hospitals in my career and masks do a decent, not perfect, job of what they are intended to do. If I were being prepared for surgery and my surgeon said he would not wear a mask, air quotes, because I don't believe in them, air quotes, I would most certainly stop everything and get a better surgeon. Uh, Brian in Ohio, risk. Good show. One exception I'll take is that all Americans turn to Anthony Fauci for our information. It's just not true. The man is flawed and so is his wife. The only thing lacking in both podcasts is a discussion of risk analysis. All people have different levels of risk they are willing to take. Politicians and policymakers creating one-size-fits-all solutions, like arbitrary social distancing dimensions, lead many people to become suspicious and consider riskier behavior. I do agree with the earlier comment about using I feel or I believe language. That tends to be opinion. A show on risk analysis would be very beneficial. Uh, just in general would be very beneficial because it's a, a tough thing uh, to get your head around and humans are incredibly bad at it. Indeed, indeed. So I replied to E-H-H-F-F-F-F, uh, comment number three, where he made a, made a, a point about the uh, spike protein. So I said, in general, viruses break in, in quotes, to cells in order to use the replication machinery to make more viruses. In the case of SARS-CoV-2, spike protein is part of the virus that is used to break in. It's not dangerous in itself. It's part of the toolkit this virus uses to gain control of cells and make more viruses. In order for the human immune system to fight against a foreign chemical or antigen, usually a protein of some kind, since living things use proteins as building blocks, it needs to be exposed to the antigen and build antibodies and other immune responses. Many of the vaccines use methods of delivering or generating the spike protein in order to teach, in quotes, the immune system what to be alert to. Some use killed viruses instead, but none of these are in use in the USA and Europe, to my knowledge. I think Russia and, uh, and other parts of the world use, use that style. So vaccines are not inherently damaging, as you state. They cause your immune system to react, which is the point, and this can result in soreness at the injection site, fevers, aches, and similar symptoms. Yes, anaphylactic shock can result from an allergic reaction to the vaccine itself, as it can from peanuts, eggs, insect bites, seafood, for example. In the UK, as I said in the show, we are asked to wait for 15 minutes after our vaccination in case such an allergic reaction is triggered. And there are medics nearby to deal with any such emergencies. Ah, that's what that's all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do actually ask you if you if you have any allergies, but I don't think the the majority of the current virus uh, vaccines are uh, contain. Um, things which are likely to trigger uh, allergic reactions. Unlike the flu virus, for example, 
uh, for mm-hmm. a vaccine, I keep getting these words mixed, uh, which is made in eggs and therefore can trigger egg allergies. Do you want to do the next one or shall I do it? I'm happy to do do the next one if you like. Yeah, because so, you probably can pronounce words like virulent and immune. I wouldn't guarantee. Anyway, this is a response to Brian in Ohio who made comment number five uh, about risk. From my point of view, Dr. Fauci is a skilled virologist and immunologist. I'd heard him on virology podcasts long before COVID-19 and found him very impressive as a scientist and as a human being. You refer to risk analysis, and you're right. We didn't deal much with this subject in our show. You write, the risk individuals are willing to take, and I often see this point being made. The point made less often is the risk each person poses to others. Unwillingness to avoid crowds, to consider physical distancing, or contesting the need for a mask, a stance is taken in relation to the objector's risk. The risk to others seem to be disregarded or given very low priority. Okay, the next day we had operator with, I talk about converting HPR audio to text and tagging. Wow, this blew my mind. Absolutely awesome. Because this would be very, very good for uh, doing the show notes, etc, etc, etc. And operator had a comment there, an example script. I updated my script, which uh, mostly works wonky file names. Uh, and he gives a link to the text. I haven't actually looked at that, I have to to admit. Um, so, yeah, let's get and have a look. Cause I'm sure it's it on be... my list. Yeah, 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 me too, me too. <laughs> oh, it's been Time. on my list for a while, actually, for what nearly 10 years to find some way of doing uh, speech to text for HBR, mm-hmm. which mm. I imagine is doable. But then he, he also does go into more uh, valuable, how the show itself is definitely worth a listen if you're uh, a relatively short show, but it's definitely worth a listen. Like, uh, how useful is it to have 15,000 links to the, the word they or and or, you know, stuff like that. So, Yeah, I definitely en- uh, enjoyed this show. And I, as a matter of fact, I've actually tr- tried to use speech-to-text to do my show notes or to get a transcription. And I think that would be great. That's the one thing that I've actually sort of slowed down some of my shows in the past is I always wanted this sort of perfect transcription to to include and then you know trying to I'm not going to just sit there and transcribe my my own I it's just too much but so it would be great if we could sort of start a project maybe on the side to uh to maybe work through like particularly with like you say the tagging but even just going back and getting old uh transcriptions of shows yeah yeah improving the show notes in general i don't think it needs to be necessarily transcriptions for a lot of shows um I, for what works best for me is um you know just having bullet points of the topics with a short summary and a link so and i think dave you do it best with your shows having a full transcription but then having the summary on the main page mm-hmm. but we're not yeah. all dave uh, I, I just think in terms of notes, uh, my notes are, are in my head and, and I want to write them down, uh, even even though they, they're sort of a bit of a bludgeon for, for people, I think, sometimes. It, uh, it's just the way my brain works. You know, I agree. I don't think we, we really need transcriptions. You can definitely tell if you look at my shows, like 
which shows I wrote out and then just recorded from the notes and then which <laughs> which shows with all the ums and ahs in them that I've, you know, been <laughs> talking yeah. off myself. Okay. The next show is Black Colonel's Journey into Technology, episode two, where he struggles with Windows. This was quite interesting. Yes, he's doing a lovely job here. I'm really impressed with with the with his uh, his journey and uh, and the way he's explaining it. And yeah, early experience with that Windows XP I wrote down, and he hates it. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> I think his approach, his approach into computers in general is a bit is a bit unique. I was going to say odd, but I don't mean odd. I mean unique. I think uh, Tattoo has has on GNU World Order where people write in about their way they came to Linux, and this is definitely combining our own how you got into tech with uh, the emails coming in to Tattoo Show. Uh, this is definitely the most unique way of coming in like literally ones and zeros via via assembly language yeah yeah that's impressive isn't it yeah i've been enjoying enjoying taking the journey with them now the following day i was a show about gnu how would you pronounce that ron it's geeks sd for system disk how the hell do you get geeks out of that g-u-i-x oh yeah i see how you did that geeks it is (laughs) French. I had to look look it up and listen a couple times, uh, but it's a French distribution. It was started originally. Um, I can't. I don't have the details off off my the top of my head, but it is pronounced Geeks. I've I've verified that multiple times. And in this show, you go through what can only be described as the trials and tribulations of installing a Mac, uh, installing it on a Mac Mini, and I really really enjoy the show because I have gone through this so many times with with distributions and you look it up and then somebody goes, yeah, you just installed this and I did this and I installed it and 10 minutes later you're up and running. The Your experience installing stuff is my default experience when I sit down in front of a computer. And I have a, a Mac here uh, that I got from work where I'm trying to install Linux on it. And it's exactly, exactly the same pain, torture, and torment that I've been going through. <laughs> but at least you had the the uh, tenacity to stay with it. Well, we haven't quite mastered it, but I'm glad that it was enjoyable and not triggering for you, Ken. <laughs> not at all. It was like, great, there's somebody else out there who's going through this. Yep, well, hopefully there'll be a successful follow-up story at some point in the future. <laughs> Two years from now. <laughs> uh, why, why geeks? Why, why, why this particular um, system, Ron? No doubt you'll cover that in another episode, Dave. I, I could do that. Um, the, the brief answer is I've always liked, been intrigued by Guile, which is mm-hmm. sort of what they base the 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 language in the background they're using which is a scheme language yeah and um i like the idea of um sort of the reproducible package builds and and things like that so i've been trying to get into that more uh so it's just sort of a a project that i was like well i need a project where i can I can use it on a regular basis because it like when I installed it in the VM, it went easily and I've, you know, 
downloaded a web browser and the desktop and I've played with it a little bit, but like I haven't forced myself to either use it as my daily driver. So I was just trying to look for a project. Um, I wanted to turn it into a backup server. So then that would give me a reason to keep like learning more and how to do things with it more efficiently. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd certainly appreciate some shows on, uh, on, on what you're finding about it. I think uh, Clacker has done some work in this area. I remember him talking about it. It was when I first came across the pronunciation as, as geeks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what he's, he's done, though. And I think this show is a good example to people that we don't always want to hear about the successes. We want to hear about the failures. They're as useful. Not saying that your your show is, was a failure or anything, but running into trouble, running into difficulty, that is as useful. And that's arguably where we as hackers spend 90% of our time living in uh, failures, project failures and stuff. So let's hear about them. Because mm. if you get stuck at something, maybe somebody else knows something about that and we have follow-up shows and the project actually gets finished. Right, right. So That's sort of uh, my feeling for when I went ahead and <laughs> didn't just put that in the bin. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the following day, we had Linux in-laws, the Halloween documents. And this is where uh, Monochromic and the guys go through a little bit of history of Microsoft and SCO versus IBM, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which is interesting to, to hear, Ben. <laughs> I think I was aware of some of this, but uh, just hearing a different take on it is quite interesting. Yeah, I'm always impressed with sort of their either direct knowledge of uh, things or the what you know what they sort of seem to be able to put together. Yeah, the first, I think one of the earliest Unixes that we installed at my work was what was um, at that point called Caldera. Caldera, Caldera Linux, right? And that was, was that what it was? Yeah, and then that became the SCO, SCO Unix, I think, didn't it? SCO bought them out or something like that. I don't remember. It was before there was much in the way of a good Linux system to install, which we did as soon as it became available. But uh, yeah, this it's fascinating what's been going on there and the, all the strange politics behind it. And the next day we had internal commands, more about DOS internal commands uh, by Ahuka, an interesting walk down memory lane, a bit like the Linux in law show. No comments on this. <laughs> Good though. It's really interesting. I, I never used DOS much. Um, we were not really heavily into PCs at my work because we had sort of minis and mainframes to play with. So, uh, so, so we were avoiding it uh, for for a number of years. Then we had to fall into it big time. But, uh, mm. I never really used DOS all that much. It's quite interesting to hear. I used it a lot. Yeah. So a lot of this brings a lot of, uh, yeah, this this series is definitely triggering me for sure. <laughs> the next day we had Brick Link by Operator. And I had no clue what this was going to be about until I heard it. But an excellent little show. A nice one there for my anything that is of interest to hackers motto. Yeah, yeah, it's very much a hackery thing isn't it um but, but you wouldn't 
automatically put that in the list, I, I guess, if you were making a list of hacker-related things. But but I know so many people who would be very much into, who are very much into this, including me, um, at various times. So yeah, it was fascinating. Yep, I enjoyed it myself, and I really love the uh, the photo we included in the show notes. Yes. And now everybody who is listening to this is going, what the hell was that show about? Well, you're just going to have to download it and listen to it. <laughs> yes, he threw me by sending in a photo. But I was able to yeah, use yeah. my uh, here's my script that I've written to to handle it, and it seems to seems to work okay. It's quite a big picture, so you need to click on it to see it in its full glory. Now, if we were checking for somebody spamming the net, spamming the network, it would be somebody who submitted three shows in the one month. Mm, mm, who could that be? That really wasn't my intention. Uh, if there wasn't a call for shows, <laughs> yeah. No, thanks for there was a, there was a call for shows. We were very low on shows. We still are very low on shows. And uh, could people please send in some shows? Thank you. But this is about the. Battery test for the, not the neuron, but the Newton, in the U, Newton battery test. Yes, and this, this you can put in the success category. Yes. Yeah, good. Yes, it was good to hear. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next show by Black Colonel, Rust 101, Hello World, episode one. This is Hello World, and uh, where he does a Hello World program in Rust and discusses the program in general and macros and different functions. I'm getting a lot from this series already, and we're only at episode one. Yeah, it's interesting to hear um, these sorts of analyses of programming languages. Some of, you wonder quite what the thinking was behind them. You know, what, what, why is it ended up the way it is? But it's uh, it's... I'm sure that, that some of those answers will come to light in, in the future or can be found elsewhere. But it's uh, it's really good to, to, to get this sort of stuff I find. And no comments on that one. So the next day, uh, we had a call for shows open, and I have a few of these knocking around, was an engineering notation show where uh, we run through common engineering notations used for ham radio. Also no comments. But nicely done. Yeah, it's good. We need this sort of stuff because it's, it's so easy to, to forget what a Pico is and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's stuff that you, if you don't know it and you never took the time to learn it, uh, these, this is just the absolute basic minimum stuff that you need to know uh, for ham radio. So if you're, if you're ever considering, do, you, you also use it in daily life, but this, it, this is actually useful. Um, so what I want to do is, um, and, and other people, other ham radio people, uh, please get involved here is I want to have these, uh, shows like the one that Klaatu did with the NATO alphabet stuff that you need to know. You just need to learn it. There's no way around it. If you read it over a few times, it'll come to you and just use it in your daily life. And then you'll see it everywhere. And if you're sitting down to do your exam, which will be different in every country. Um, there's some standardization in Europe, but um, when you're sitting down to do your exam, you know that you've got at least 10 questions in the bag uh, by the time you know we've done some of these things. You'll have 10 questions already in the bag, and you, know, you can move on to the harder stuff then. So the following day we had 
podcast recommendation IBM and quantum commu- computing by Archer72. Well, if only he was available to talk about the show. And I haven't had a chance to uh, listen to this yet. This one fell foul of our uh, Creative Commons uh, thing. Unfortunately, the show itself is not Creative Commons, so we can't redistribute it. I haven't had a chance to actually listen to the podcast he suggested, but um, I, you know, I do appreciate like the heads up. And uh, he did a nice job of like summarizing what what was going on in the podcast, and uh, definitely sounds like an interesting one to put into my podcatcher. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And the the notes are the notes are very impressive. Excellent. I was, I was, I was stunned by the. <laughs> By these notes as I was processing them, there's some there's some really good information there. And speaking of ham radio, if you are doing ham radio stuff, allaboutcircuits.com will appear in your searches sooner or later. Carry on, Dave. I cut you off. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's uh, it's I hadn't, I wasn't fully aware of how far quantum com- computing had got, so it's quite surprising. But uh, there's actually a, a thing that you can. Go, go and use on the on the net, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really in this. I'm not really up to date with this sort of stuff. But it's good to good to be led into these sorts of things. I shall download this one and listen to it uh, next week when I'm on the on the train. Now that I have to go back to work, unless they change the COVID rules again and I have to stay at home. But we'll see. <laughs> So there are six, what sixteen comments on seven previous shows. Can people stop, please, sending in comments and start sending in shows? Good lord, Clacky of all people, Clacky. No, it wasn't from Clacky. It was from oh no, it was from Clacky about a show from Clacky. <laughs> okay, I'll read the comment. Uh, the show was Bash Co Co Proc. The future two thousand and nine is here by Clacky, and the comment was. Clacky, responding to your comment, Dave. Real world use. Thanks, Dave. Now go out and this is a quote. Now go out and play with this and come back with an example of how this is actually useful in the real world and submit a show. Dave Morris did so in HBR 3413 with a link. Even though he concludes the feature is awkward compared to alternatives, it's great to have a less contrived example. I'm glad he enjoyed it. <laughs> So next one is um, the show sent in by Daniel Person, who was, did he actually send in the audio of the, I like that the boat is stuck? I can't remember. He did, yes. What? So yeah, it's kind of yeah. funny because they, um, the links that we're using refer to the podcast and then underneath the comment is from the person. So the, Daniel had done, I like that the boat is stuck. He had read that, and that was another mm-hmm. one that was uh, that we had the Creative Commons issue. It wasn't Creative Commons when we started, but became Creative Commons as a result of Daniel's show, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful article, and uh, so the the comment from uh, Windigo, who we haven't heard from for a while, is amazing. Through various hardware and software calamities, my podcast has been out of reach for more than six months. Just recently, I've been able to remedy it, and this was the first HPR episode in my queue that I was able to listen to. Oh, how I've missed missed HPR. Thank you for the thoroughly enjoyable episode. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, so uh, the comment is 
for episode 3414, Critical Thinking May Make You Critical of the COVID Crisis. Uh, the comment is by E8HFF, Common Sense. This Has is he done uh, an episode yet? Let me just check that. I would say not. Don't believe so. Anyway, carry on, and I'll uh, get an answer when you're finished. Okay. Uh, the comment by E8HFFF, Common Sense. This is a perfect example of common sense thrown out the window. A bane of the world today. You should never dispose of common sense and replace it with mathematics. Mathematics, and when, and when used in statistical pursuit, can only attempt to simulate scenarios from data supplied or framed pictures of their very construction. Common sense is science that of observed commonalities and events, even if labeled as anecdotal, setting conversation, wise tales, etc. Masks are not advantageous as you are complicating a situation of natural body design, that of expelling toxins through the nose and hoping to breathe in cleaner air. Masks unquestionably increase viral bacterial load, therefore creating spreaders. With the higher loads comes elevated deaths and ailments, Creating erroneous lethargy, uh, creating erroneous lethargy statistics for any said virus, that can result in political overreach oversight, as seen in COVID-19. The benefit of reducing virus particles with a mask is outweighed by the damages they cause. Common sense. No, you don't need a PubMed article to comprehend that. Also, consider some people correctly breathe through their fil- through filtering nose and other incorrect incorrectly through their mouth. Masks complicate breathing for those properly using nose and a spouse mouth use. On whether, on whether seasons have an effect on viruses and contagion, you don't need to search for lab papers on cold weather and viruses susceptibility to disprove summer protections. Common sense should tell you that viruses are naturally burnt out of the body via temperature. Therefore, summer can only assist in raising the body's heat when infected causing fast mitigation. Uh, this includes hot baths. You would also easily say moisture assists in virus survivability in the environment, making cold, moist weather a disadvantaged health. Also considering your stance is based on trust of politicians and science workers and industry. That is unquestionably a flawed stance. So I wrote in response to that um, a comment which in which I said, I assume you're commenting on show 3445, which is a response to this show 3414. You are of the opinion that common sense outweighs the knowledge achieved through the scientific method. History seems to disagree. The common sense prior to the discovery of germs, in quotes, resulted in the death of many who would have survived if hand-washing had been more common, for example. There are huge numbers of similar examples. You make an assertion about masks, which I disagree with. You assert that your view outweighs the research we cited in show 3445, yet your only support for this is that you state it. This seems typical of the current trend to put forward opinion as superior to fact. You mistake trust in the scientific method and the results that this method produces in comparison to those who misrepresent this method and these results for their own agendas and profits. Agreed that many politicians, industrialists, and even some dishonest scientists are known to do this. However, where human beings may sometimes be unreliable, the 
properly conducted and peer-reviewed scientific method is not. Um, yeah, and I think that supports Brian in Ohio's statement there that that is not about the dishonest scientists and stuff. It's not always clear um, just, just because the scientists, it's not always clear that when the scientific method is not followed, that that doesn't mean the scientific method itself is not valid. It is that it has not been followed correctly. And you got to yeah. make sure that everything is correctly peer reviewed and, uh, and that they, you know, you're not just all the other things that can go wrong with sampling of methods of science, that it is double blind tested, that the uh, group was large enough that it was, it covered your statistical basis. So it's, in itself, adhering to the scientific method is quite difficult, and should always that should always be challenged. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Black Colonel says Rust one hundred and one or no? I really need to redo this Rust one hundred and one episode zero. What is tarnishing by Black Colonel? Honky Madu had a comment. Another fun way to learn Rust, and that is docs.rust-lang.org stable. Rust by example. Cool. So ah, and that has got the uh, Hello World program in there. Primitive oh, okay. types. Cool. Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a good place to go and look. I've not done so yet, but I will. Ooh, does that mean Hunky is a Rust person? Does that mean Hunky mm-hmm. could do some shows? <laughs> mm. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm sure that's the case. Go for it. So, shall I do the next one? Or yep. You... Yep. So the next one is in response to Living in the Terminal by Black Colonel and from Gumnos, who uh, talks of using C to pause in CMUSE, C-M-U-S, not sure how you pronounce that, but um, it's a music player, isn't it? The controls in CMUS are laid out like a traditional VCR stroke tape player from left to right in the bottom of the corner of a traditional QWERTY keyboard. And Z is previous, X is play, C is pause, B is stop and B is next, and he's put rather nice uh, Unicode symbols in symbols. there just to make it uh, make it nice to to read. And I'm amazed that it works. So much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say it helps me remember much, but at least that's the reasoning behind the non mnemonic keys. Ah, I didn't know this. That is excellent to know. Now we just need little stickers to put on our keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Available in the HBR shop. Okay, I will take the first of the next ones. So these are comments on episode 3433, um, A Squirrel's Thoughts About RMS by Zenfloater2. Uh, comment one by Ben, yikes. Moves to legalize pedophilia in Europe. Where did you hear of that from, Breitbart? I live here. I should have heard about something like that. But so far, everything goes in the opposite direction, towards more child protection, and there's even some discussion about raising the age of consent. It's been 14 since the concept existed, which was way before even you were around. As for cigarettes and beer on airplanes, your freedom stops where my rights begin, and I feel I do have the right not to be covered in drug gunk and beer. Carbonated drink don't work too well in low cabin pressure. I would also add that uh, (laughs) being able to get a gun in your luggage at 12 (laughs) doesn't 
really. It was a story. It was a story. <laughs> For sure. Uh, who's doing the next one? Okay. Good. Archer72 says, good call, Ken. This was a good call, putting the disclaimer on this episode. There was about one minute in that there were facts about Ermess, then dissolved. This was one in which I could not finish. As I am a parent, like a lot of us in our little hacker space, I find the subject of pedophilia disgusting and to most, and I would imagine no appropriate here. So Zen Floater comments, replying to Ben, um, who's comment one, uh, France legalized paedophilia. See article. France becomes the latest EU nation to legalize paedophilia. And it gives a, a link. Uh, France follows a similar move in Germany to legalize paedophilia, age of consent to be 15 years of age. Okay, for comment four, Zen Floater two. Reply to Archer72, I made the title of the show, A Squirrel's Thoughts About RMS, and the subject line reads, RMS and the subject of freedom, specifically because I wanted to cover RMS's free speech rights being rejected by a community, and wanted to talk about that community's actions in causing damage to Richard Matthew Stallman's person. The show, should you have listened to it all the way, was not about pedophilia explicitly, but rather about the violation of RMS's rights as a person under the law. And I commented on this show, and as you know, uh, as you know, I tend not to comment politically on shows, but this one I felt I had to because there was comment uh, discussion in the background where I was contacted, and people were assuming my silence uh, was approval on the show. So I placed this comment into this show, which is disappointed with this show. I added a warning following a complaint from a listener. Our guidelines are, if you feel that your show will be considered inoffensive in every region of the world, then you can signal that when you upload the show. This was not done in this case. Having now listened to the show myself, I want everyone to know that I personally do not in any way endorse or support the opinions in this show. I am very disappointed with the show and I'm sure HPR would appreciate shows that covered these contentious, and probably I should have also included the word, sensitive topics, provided they are handled with care, compassion, and without insulting anyone. So comment six is from Bob, who uh, entitles it Deliberately Misleading. I thought HBR was dedicated to sharing knowledge, in quotes, so why is this host distorting the truth? And he uh, includes a um, a URL, um, factcheck.org, uh, with the title putting France's consent in issue into context. Question, did France pass a law saying having sex with a child is okay? Answer, no. The country already didn't have a legal consent age. A new law makes it easier to file rape charges against adults who have sex with those 15 or younger. Sorry. Uh, comments. Seven, this is Zen Floater 2. It's a reply to Ken Fallon. Ken, I flagged the show using the supplied is flagged as explicit switch, which is provided on the website. It seems I don't understand the difference in what you're requesting in this switch for explicit content. Offense is in the eyes of the beholder. Frankly, anyone can be offended by anything, Ken. The term offended is highly subjective and easily pooled. 
If you feel this show is too much for, of a burden for you, then by all means, delete the show. If, however, you want to keep the show to use as an example to others, then keep the show. Either way, I promise you that I will, I will not be offended. Not offended in any way. It's just a show, Ken. Uh, some kind of emoji I'm not quite sure of. And Ben says in reply to number four, uh, better late than never, I guess. The source you give is questionable at best. As Bob pointed out, France doesn't have an age of consent, so the law actually added one, even though it is defined weaker than in the US. As for Germany, as I said, it already is 14 and won't change because 14 is also the start of the limited legal liability. The Germans generally don't consider the idea of no sex until marriage and teenagers shouldn't have to go to jail for trying themselves out. And brackets, rape is a different story because uh, the lack of consent. There is no recent move and no movement and the cited attorney doesn't even exist, which should be a red flag no matter the, of the story's content. Oh, I don't know if I can read any of these comments, guys. Uh, COVID and science. Listen, I'm just going to skip over them, please. Please, if you're interested in this, read them. Uh, if you're not, don't. Uh, there was uh, uh, there was an email, possible cause and solution to subscriber attrition, which is an interesting thread, which I want to devote some time to but if if any of the rest of you feel we should read the uh comments about uh covid um feel free to jump in now i think we can uh just let people read uh through those comments themselves yep they're there and available so yep that's the easiest way then and then i replied uh community news is putting you to sleep i f think that's interesting but uh um so i find that use case a bit odd uh intro and outro being a bit loud is a fair point um we can fix the audio uh i can try fixing it on the community news which is this one uh yeah and if um people want to help out with the quality of audio on HVR, there's a genuine request here. We have a few uh, future feed on the syndication page where we post shows to. So just as they as the show comes in, they will be posted to the future feed, and then you can listen to the shows as they come in. So that's useful for people who want to hear shows straight away. So it's possible that after a backlog has built up or a call for shows, you might get 20 shows in the one day and then nothing for the next two weeks. Um, and if you do that, then the shows are officially posted to HBR and then you can listen to them. And that's when I do the quality control on the shows myself so that I can listen to them then. And if there's any issues with audio, we at least have a fighting chance of getting fixed before it hits the main feed. So it's not a replacement for the main feed. It's for to help out. So if people want to do that, they can do it. Uh, I don't personally think that the people are unsubscribing because of the quality of the audio, because traditionally the audio has been crap, uh, has been spotty at best from the beginning. But we should have a look at the theme. After uh, doing tags and summary, I can attest to that uh, some of the sound quality has <laughs> is, is not the best. Tis true, tis true. <laughs> yeah, agreed. 
So somebody want to do summarize tattoos words? And after reading out a load of those comments, we've decided to do a separate show because we're short of shows. Uh, reading the comments on this discussion because it attains, uh, pertains to the intro and outro and it's uh, and the branding of HBR and a musicalist podcast. So let's do that. So was there anything else in the comment thread? No, I think we've no, done no, as far as it. that's concerned. So um, after this show, uh, if you have time, Dave, or the rest, then we can uh, read the comments and submit it as another show coming out this month where we'll do everybody's comments and give it the justice that it deserves. Yep. I don't have time just now, but we can pick another time. Sure. No problem. I would be interested in doing that with you. Great, great. That would be awesome. Yep, yep, yep. And we have the calendar of events, and you want to do the other business, please? So, yes. um, We, on our AOB, the final bit, uh, first comment is that we're still pumping shows, older shows, up to archive.org, and I've managed to do 70 this month. Actually, that should come up at the end, but never mind. So... Then moving on to the tags and summaries, and this is um, this is a, a time for cheering and and uh, yes, the two main players right and... here. <laughs> so okay. we've had thirty-eight shows were done in the past month, and Archer seventy-two and Roan were the contributors. I didn't do any myself. Uh, those guys were just going at it like uh, there was no tomorrow and it was amazing and thank you so much I'm having difficulties clapping and pressing push to talk at the one time so <laughs> insert your own virtual clap there consider one hand clapping and that'll, that'll do. Um, so yeah I put the note in here to say hooray there are no more, no more shows that need summaries or tags and we've had a bunch of contributors to this project over the several years I don't actually know the number of years we've been doing this but um, I've, I've prepared a list of all of the names that I have in my uh, archive and I'll just go through them very quickly uh, Ahuka, Archer 72 of course, BJB, Claudio M, CRVS, Daniel Persson, myself, Ken Fallon, Kirk Reiser, NY Bill, Roan, Tony Hughes and Windigo all contributed to this project. Fantastic. So thank you so much for all of your help. And there again, you don't have to contribute shows to contribute to this project. It's an awesome, awesome job. And I use this all the time for looking up shows. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great uh, thing to have. I will be bringing, taking down the, the tag uh, summary page so, which currently says there's no more work to do, um, and putting up something which which is accessible for with all of the the tags in in alphabetical order, which we have already. But I'll leave that uh, leave, leave that instead. Okay. Excellent. Well done. Okay, so that was it. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Sorry, it was yeah. such a um, mishmash of recording. Uh, Editing. I'm apologizing to myself mostly because I'm going to have to edit. And uh, final comments? Well, it was fun joining uh, the community news finally, and I'm hoping the audio for this sounds better than the last couple of my shows. <laughs> the, uh, the You sound great on Mumble, actually. You should, you should be recording your shows on Mumble, perhaps. <laughs>
I might have to give that a try. Yeah, I've, I've done that on occasion. It does work. As long as nobody else comes in and says, oh, hello, what are you doing? Excellent. So tune in tomorrow on, for another exciting episode of Hacker. Public. Radio. 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 Hooray. Join, us, join <laughs> us now and share the software. You'll be free. Hacker, you'll be free. Hacker, join us now. And share the software. You'll be free, hacker. You'll be, You'll be free. free. That was a go to sleep version. Of course, they won't have heard the discussion about the show notes, so they won't know what that means. Okay. Hey, good. Very good. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Mm-hmm.